Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Red V Podcast, episode 118, coming at you tonight for the very latest in news and alerts about the mighty St. George Illawarra Dragons. Jack Clifton and Johnny Pett behind the mic for you tonight to guide you through all the latest that's happening at the St. George Illawarra Dragons. We're going to review that last gas win against the Newcastle Knights on Easter Sunday, a 21 points to 16 win for the Red V. There were some nervous moments and some heart palpitations, I imagine, for plenty of Dragons fans watching that game uh, over the course of the weekend. We'll preview the annual Anzac Day clash. That's coming up in uh, just under a week's time uh, in that uh, big game against the Sydney Roosters as the Dragons look to go back to back and get some bragging rights. Haven't had the greatest of successes against the Roosters in recent years. We'll also have a chat with Dan Alvaro, the prop forward for the Dragons. Uh, Dan's going to drop by and talk to us a little bit about the reserve grade side. Have they been trending? What it's been like to play with some of those young stars, Tyrell Sloan, and Jaden Sullivan alongside uh, Aaron Woods and Toro Fumiano and a few of the other first grade guys that have dropped by and will also answer your fans' questions and have a full lower grade wrap. It was the first time this season the Dragons were able to achieve victory in all three grades, winning first grade, reserve grade and also the under-21s Jersey Fleet competition as well. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the podcast, but first time for me to introduce my co-host, Johnny Pett. Johnny, uh, nice to be chatting with you, mate. I, I know you've had a nice, relaxing weekend. Unfortunately, uh, back to the grind, back to work back to footy training and all of those things. And um, I guess in your relaxing time over the weekend, it might not have been a relaxing 80 minutes, but you could relax after the Dragons picked up the victory down there at beautiful Wynn Stadium on Easter Sunday, mate. Yeah, what a, what a what an Easter Sunday present it was, Jack, for all the Dragons fans. Um, look, big crowd down there at Wynn Stadium. The, the hill was chock-a-block and, look, absolutely went to the death, didn't it? went right down to the last few minutes and the Dragons pulling off a victory, a much-needed victory. And, um, look, i tell you what, I reckon the... 
the fans partied hard, half of the win stadium victory the other night, and um, it was good to see the boys back on the winning side of the ledger. Yeah, they certainly needed it after four straight defeats. The Dragons finally able to record a victory, takes them two wins of the season and lifts them up the, from the doldrums of the ladder, I think up to 13th or 12th on the, on the ladder at the moment. So that is uh, good news. The Dragons trending north, which is where they want to be. Like we do each and every week to kick off the Red V podcast, let's jump in and see your Dragons news and updates for this week. We kick off our Dragons news and updates by taking a look at the team list that was named a few hours ago on Tuesday afternoon by Anthony Hook Griffin. And there are no, uh, I guess, surprises or, yeah, no, uh, nothing that we really need to, to report on too much, Johnny, because it is the same side that that trotted out last week uh, against the Newcastle Knights. We didn't see any late changes in that game against Newcastle. We thought we might, and, and there's going to be no changes at the moment in, in terms of the team list that was named on Tuesday afternoon. Moses Mbai again retaining that fullback role. And Matt Fierney, who was superb on the weekend, Johnny on one wing, uh, Mikhaili Ravalawa on the other. Moses Suli, Zach Lomax, the centres, Bird and Hunt, the halves, with Molo, McCulloch, Kerr, Sim, Sewer and DeBellin in the forward pack. And the bench of Amon, Laurie, Maguire and Burgess with uh, Tatel Moga, Jackson Ford, Aaron Woods, Tyrell Sloan. Cody Ramsey is amongst the extended bench there in Jersey 22, alongside Tyrell Fumiano and Jaden Sullivan. So although there's um, not likely to be any changes in the first grade unit, Johnny, all of a sudden that reserve grade side, and we'll talk about this at, at much greater length later on in the podcast, they get another boost with Cody Ramsey there. And, and you wonder um, whether where Cody is going to slot into that reserve grade side if he doesn't uh, take his place in the first grade side. We'll obviously discuss that at length a little bit later, but what do you make of the side? I guess no surprises to see Griffin stick with a winning combination. They say you don't really change a winning side, and, and that's certainly been the case with, with Griffin and his coaching staff for the Dragons looking like they'll line up 1-17, to 17, Johnny. Yeah, look, it's hard to change a winning formula when your sides bounce back to a, a victory, a much-needed victory, and Hook Griffin, prob- probably rightly so, um, love it or hate the decision he's made. I think that the you've got to stick with that winning formula, mm. and the, the, pretty hard words for me to say because you know how much of a fan I am of some yeah. of those players that are missing out. But um, yeah, they, they deserve their spot this week. They, you know, they've, they've won a game which we've struggled to win the last few weeks, and uh, no matter what level of rugby league or, or level of sport you do, coach, when you've got a winning side, it's really hard to bring in players outside of that winning seventeen, apart from injuries into the side. So um, I, no surprises there. Hook Griffin stuck with his 1-17. to 17. Um, in, in a change bench, I don't see any changes there. And then that extended reserves list, um, we'll, see, we'll see them uh, probably float throughout the grades and we'll see probably what happened last week with a lot of the players named the New South Wales Cup dropped down to Jersey flag and a few guys missing out. Yeah, well, Reserve Grade is actually playing Sunday afternoon. They've got a standalone fixture at North Sydney Oval against the Bears who are having quite a good season. So I think we'll know the makeup of that Dragons first grade side probably at least 24 hours uh, before uh, the Dragons do take the paddock at the Sydney Creek ground uh, against the, the the Roosters. So that is how the Dragons do line up, 1 through 17 and an intriguing extended bench that you think will be able to put in some uh, decent shifts for the New South Wales Cup side under Russ Aiken. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. Uh, talking of that victory, on Sunday, Johnny, a 21 points to 16 win against the Knights, and we'll certainly get through all of what happened on Sunday and, and uh, have a look through the whole wash-up of uh, Easter Sunday's uh, victory in just a moment. But I guess if you're a Dragons fan, a lot of what's been in the news over the last 24 to 48 hours has been that of Zach Lomax. He jumped on the back of Tyson Frizzell when the Dragons scored one of their many tries in the second half. At the, I was at the game, Johnny. I didn't think it was a, a great look. I thought it was a stupid kind of grubby little thing to do, but I thought it 
it probably could have stopped stopped it there. He's since been uh, given a $1,000 fine for contrary conduct and uh, every man and his dog on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram uh, is laying the boots in or giving their two cents worth. I, I don't think it was anything over the top. I think sometimes when you're, you're out in the field, you have a little bit of white line fever, especially when you're, you're playing against old teammates and Zach just went over the top a little bit. What did you make of, of everything that, that, that happened there on Sunday between Zach and, and Tyson Frizzell and I guess the wash-up since uh, with everyone's thoughts and opinions on it? Oh, look, I... I think he acted like a bit of a pork chop, to be honest. I, I, I don't think it was needed. Um, it was way off the ball. I could understand mm. if um, Frizz was around where the try was scored, standing over the try scorer, but Frizz was about five or six metres away just minding his own business, and, and Zach Sporn jumped all over him. I, I didn't like the look. I thought it was a bit um, – it didn't didn't need it to be done. I can understand, you know, in the hype of excitement where you're jumping around and you're trying to stick it to the opposite team, but – uh, I, I just think Zach's a better player than that. I think Zach's mm. a better person than that. And I don't like seeing that in Zach's game because I've always admired Zach of how he plays football and how he's left it on the field. You, you don't see him, you know, being a grub or needing to put a high shot on or doing some little niggling things around the ruck. I think he's always been a pretty clean player. And that was probably a little bit of an insight to um, how Zach might be getting frustrated in himself mm. and the way the team's been going at the moment. Probably his performance as well hasn't been up to where you know he, he needs to be. Um, maybe that should, he was just letting off a little bit of steam there where the Dragons were sort of, um, you know, they, they were heading in the right direction towards winning that game. So, look, I don't think Zach needs it in the game. I don't think it's a good look for the game. Um, I, I'm quite happy that he's, he's been given the $1,000 fine, a bit of a slap on the wrist. Um, I think that he's going to be monitored now in the next few weeks. And if Zach pulls some of that cheeky shit again, I think he might be um, rolled over the coals by Hook Griffin and some of the Dragon staff for sure. Staying with uh, that Dragons first grade side and talking of players that, that probably aren't reaching their lofty standards is Jack DeBellin. He was chatting to um, Adam Pangilly of the Sydney Morning Herald uh, earlier today and uh, he was uh, saying... I guess that he, he'd really struggled to, to bounce back. I think having been out of the game since the back end of 2018, he missed the 2019 and 2020 seasons. Johnny, as we've spoken about at length here on the podcast, I know you and I both kind of said that uh, we felt that Jack DeBellin was either going to go one or two ways. When he, when he came back, he was either going to hit the ground running and those two years out of the game will have, would have left him refreshed and his body would have felt recharged and have a lot of energy. Or it could go the other way. Two of his best years, um, he'd been spent uh, spent on the sideline away from the game of rugby league. And the rule changes and the speed of the game has, has certainly changed a lot since he last played. And I think anyone that has, has watched Jack over the last season and a half has probably seen that he, that he has struggled to, to kind of find his feet. I thought Sunday was one of his better games. I think he made, what, 157 metres and 31 tackles. Seemed to be a bit more of a force in the middle of the park, but he himself has said that it's been been a struggle, and I guess uh, we're under no illusions as well that it's, it isn't the same player that, that, that left, the, left the game at the back end of, of 2018 when, when all of that, that drama happened, Johnny. Yeah, we, we were hopeful at the time away that he spent from the game might have prolonged his career a little bit. You know, the body not taking the blows week in, week out. But probably something that you and me didn't really think about at the time, Jack, and a lot of other people did, that he's missed out on a lot of football. He, he's aged and the game's changed. The game's gotten faster around the middle of the field. And with the rules changes, he just seems to be that, you know, that half an inch slower than what he was before. And that half an inch, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a lot in rugby league. We see, mm. especially around the middle of the field, the, the amount of speed required to either shut down your smart, shifty number nines or, you know, gain that extra metre when, you, when you're taking a hit up. And I think that 
uh, JDB is lacking that at the moment. And, you know, it, it's good on him for identifying it and knowing it and putting it out there that, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, you know, no illusion that he's absolutely low-flying, he's playing good football. He knows that he's not going as well as he should. So for him to identify that, I think it's a, it's a good thing for JDB. And, look, if JDB can work on that, maybe he needs to change the way he plays the game a little bit instead of being that, that quick 13 in the middle, maybe he needs to adapt to a full-time front rower's job. Yeah, maybe that might be the future for him. It was good to see him go in the right direction. Hopefully that's uh, a little bit of a launching pad for him to, to put in some good, some some big shifts. He did say uh, to Adam Pangili that he was really excited about Anzac Day. It's his first Anzac Day game since 2018, which ironically enough was the last time the Dragons have won that. They've uh, lost the last three encounters in a row. So he'll be uh, looking to rip and tear and hopefully a big performance uh, for him in front of um, 30 or 40,000 uh, fans at the SCG uh, this forthcoming Monday on Anzac Day. That wraps up all of our Dragons news and updates for this week. Folks, not an awful lot out there about uh, about the Dragons, uh, but uh, yeah, hopefully that has been informative uh, for you and to keep you up to date with what's happening uh, there at Dragons HQ. We're going to take our first break on episode 118 of the Red V podcast. On the other side of that, we sit down with Dan Alvaro, the prop forward for the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Dan has played over 100 first grade games in the NRL, including playing 19 games for the Red V last season. He hasn't got a look in with some of the new signings by the Red V in season 2022. So we talked to him about his goals and how he hopes to break back into that NRL first grade unit for the Dragons. Also talk about the the reserve grade side and their good performances over the last fortnight and also playing with the young guns Tyrell Sloan and Jaden Sullivan and what they're learning are playing in that second tier competition as well. That's going up all next here on episode 118 of the Red V Podcast. Welcome back to the Red V Podcast. Jack Clifton and Johnny Pett here with you, guiding you through the latest about the mighty St. George Illawarra Dragons. Time for an interview here on the Red V Podcast. I'm pleased to be chatting with St. George Illawarra Dragons prop, Daniel Alvaro. Dan has been good enough to give up some time this afternoon and talk through how the Dragons New South Wales Cup side has been going so far in season 2022 and also talk about how the first grade boys are feeling after a nice win on the weekend. Dan's actually got a day off today, which is nice. The Dragons have been kind to uh, some of the guys to give them a day off here on, uh, I guess, Easter Tuesday uh, for, for the lads. Dan, thanks for jumping on the Red V podcast this afternoon, mate. Uh, how are you travelling? Uh, good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, good to be on. Uh, Dan, a big win in reserve grade on, on Sunday for, for you boys, a 42 points to four win against against Blacktown. It's been a been a tough season, I guess you could say, for, for the New South Wales Cup side, losing the first four in a row, but back-to-back wins now. What, how did you rate the performance on on Sunday down there at Wynn Stadium against uh, Blacktown? Um, yeah, mate, it was really good. Um, probably just sort of been building up to it over the start of the year. And, um, no, the boys are really well, just stuck to the plan and um, having a few other boys back back in the team with and um, Tyrell really helped out as well. So, um, yeah, it's good we're starting to get it together. You talk about some of those guys coming back. Obviously, Tyrell Sloan has, has been in that fullback position um, in the reserve grade side the last couple of weeks. You've got uh, Jaden Sullivan, who's come back. Aaron Woods uh, was was dropped from the first grade side, and he got an opportunity down there. Um, it must be nice when you, you get to play with, with those kind of guys and, and a fair bit of quality coming back as well. Yeah, no, definitely, mate. They've definitely added heaps to the team and um, they've been really good. They've all had really good attitudes um, coming down and um, and Sally's been good coming back from injury uh, with, with his hammy. He's, he's been really strong in his first two games and, um, yeah, we're, we're starting to uh, roll in a pretty good way. 
Have you been impressed with the young guys, um, Dan? Because I, I guess as a as a fan and fans are listening to this, we, we kind of hear what the media reports about um, the fact that that Hook maybe wants a little bit of advancement and wants them to learn about by playing consistent footy week in week out. What what are the what have the guys been like um, playing in that that New South Wales Cup system? Um, yeah, mate. Look, they've been really good. The attitude's been great. Um, so they come back down and they're, they're really keen to just sort of. Um, enjoy their footy and play the best they can and, and they've been doing that the last couple of weeks and it's got us sort of showed in our performances. Um, Sully especially has been really controlled in the half and really steering us around well so um, they go really well. 2022 has probably been a bit of a frustrating season for you, Dan. You, you played 19 first-grade games for, for the, the Dragons last year and haven't had those opportunities so far th- this year. Have you had any conversations with, with, with Hook about what you need to be doing to, to, get, to be breaking back in that first-grade side? Are there any things that you're, you're kind of working on your own game playing in that New South Wales Cup system in, in the lead-up to potentially getting a, a chance in first-grade later in the year? Um, yeah, it's just doing the, doing the same things that um – you need to do in first grade is getting your job right, carrying well and um, defending well. And we, we weren't doing that for the first couple of weeks mm. of the season reserve ground, unfortunately. And I was not sure that. So now we're getting it together a bit more. We're, I think everyone's playing a bit better. And it's more um, now just a matter of sort of being consistent and waiting for an opportunity to come and then and grabbing it when it does. Talking of first grade, Dan, um, they had a, a resilient building win on Sunday. It's, I guess the side's under no illusions that it's been a been a tough last two or three weeks with some big losses against some of the the top sides of the comp, the likes of Parramatta and, and Cronulla and, and South last week. But but uh, uh, I guess a last gas win against Newcastle on on the weekend. I know you haven't um, had training and you guys have had a couple of days off over over the Easter uh, Easter weekend and, and that kind of stuff. It must be nice to to get a break. But uh, I imagine there's there's um, a nice feeling around that. The camp now, no doubt. When you head back to training this week, it's always positive to to, to get a win. What's what's the feeling going to be around the camp? Do you think after that win against Newcastle? Oh, mate, definitely. I think it takes a big weight off just um, just getting a win on the board after the last couple of weeks. Like you said, we played some pretty high quality sides over the last few weeks, and and the boys, like to their credit, really really try like they're really trying each week, and it just wasn't sort of coming together for them. And, each week um, at training and in video and stuff, everyone was working really hard and doing everything they could to to, um, to get a result. And it was just really good to see him get one last weekend. And hopefully it's something we can build off going forward. I guess when you look at the 2022 season, a nice win in, in the first game of the season against the Warriors. And just like we touched on, Dan, some some tough periods um, where, where the side probably hasn't played a, as well as they, they possibly could. But you, you sit two and four after six weeks. Do you think yourself and, and the, the 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 team and, and I guess the coaching staff, I, I know you're not going to be happy with two and four, but are they kind of content with where they're sitting heading into the big Anzac Day game this weekend? Uh, no, I don't think you're ever really content. Um, it's, yeah, I think they're okay with how we're building, but probably not content with sort of how we've gone. And um, I'm sure everyone's still really hungry to um, just keep getting those, put, just stringing those wins together and just putting some, um, good results in and um, yeah de- definitely not content mate so that the boys will be working hard I think there's been plenty of talk about Anthony Griffin in, in the media uh, this season, um, Dan. I guess for for, for different uh, different reasons, um, that would have been a weight off the shoulder for the, for the side with Anthony getting the win um, uh, last week or on, on Sunday afternoon against against Newcastle. I guess for for fans that w- would love a little bit of window into the, I guess what the what kind of human Anthony Griffin is and and what kind of coach he is and, and what he brings to the squad. What what is he like to play and and train under Anthony Griffin? 
Yeah, no, he's, he's pretty straight to the um, to the point. Um, he's really good at sort of getting the boys together and um, sort of controlling the mood of the group. And um, yeah, no, mate, he's going good. And yeah, I'm not really aware of what's sort of gone on in the media. I sort of don't pay too much to that. Mm. But um, um, I think it'll probably be pretty similar. And um, he's just sort of focused on each week, and the boys are doing the same. And yeah, like I said before, it's just good that. Um, they got a result and just not pay, not giving too much energy to the to that outside noise. I guess looking forward to, to the rest of the regular season, Dan, we, we, we touched on it earlier. Obviously, every player that's playing in, in reserve grade or under 21s, the, the goal is to, to get into that NRL side or, or break back into that NRL squad. That's obviously a, a goal for you, but there anything else that you're kind of looking at in the future that you're, you're excited or, or something that you're, you're trying to build towards for the rest of this, this regular season? I guess we're only six, week in, six weeks in, so it really is the infancy of the, the 2022 season as well. Yeah, no, definitely, mate. It's it's early days, and yeah, while results haven't gone our way, it's it's, it's a long season, and um, you'd, you'd rather be winning at the back end and at, at the front. So, um, yeah, not not too concerned on sort of that. But yeah, personally, I definitely like to get back in the first grade, but um, probably in the short term, it's just to, to play well in reserve grade and just keep getting the results in reserve grade because um, it sort of helps everyone. If if we're if we're playing well down there, we're putting pressure on top, and we're usually um, that pressure usually brings out the best in the first grade. So that's kind of a short-term focus for us. And then whatever else happens, um, we'll just be a bonus if we can get that right. And I guess to, to finish, Dan, plenty, plenty of excitement. I know myself and, and Johnny, my, my co-host here in the podcast, where we get quite excited about that reserve grade side. And I guess when you, you see the fact that you boys have strung a couple of wins together in, in a row and you look at some of the names in that reserve grade side, some of the young up-and-coming lads, but also the guys like yourself established. First graders that have played plenty of, plenty of first grade, there's a lot of depth throughout the squad from first grade down to reserve grade through to, through to 21s. It looks like if you can continue in that rich vein of form you've had the last fortnight, that the New Wales Cup side could could certainly do some things this season as well. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, definitely, it's still um, still a challenge of just sort of not relying on um, sort of the blokes we've got there and just sort of make sure we still play as a team and and um, and get up for every game. Um, that's, that's always the, sort of the challenge um, there, but I think we're doing that pretty well at the moment, and hopefully we can continue to do it. Dan, it's always a pleasure to get to chat uh, with uh, with you first grade guys and we certainly appreciate uh, and I'm sure the fans appreciate you uh, you jumping on the podcast here this afternoon and chatting a little bit about the season so far and giving us a bit of insight into to what's happening at the club and we wish uh, you and uh, all the first grade boys but also the reserve grade lads as well the, the best of luck with uh, with the big Anzac Day clash coming up on, on the weekend. Thanks for jumping on the Red V podcast, mate. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us on and all the best, mate. Hi, I'm Ben Cray, and you're listening to the Red V Podcast with Jack and Johnny. Big thanks to the Dragons for linking us up with Daniel Alvaro. Nice to uh, chat to Dan and appreciate him giving up his time and a little bit of insight into what's happening at the club in terms of training, but also uh, the reserve grade side. And uh, yeah, he'll, he'll be hoping to break uh, back into that first grade side at some stage during season 2022. Let's transition from that straight into our match review uh, this week on the Red V podcast. And we finally get to review a victory, Johnny, uh, a five point win uh, against the Newcastle Knights. It was a little bit plucky. It was a little bit lucky at times, uh, but uh, it was a win nonetheless. And, and I guess, again, we saw that little bit of improvement last week here on the podcast. We spoke that 
Uh, two weeks ago against the, the Parramatta game were absolutely diabolical. We probably didn't see any improvements in that squad whatsoever. We saw a few little improvements last week against South in the 12-point in the loss. And although the Dragons aren't where they want to be at the moment, um, it was important for them to pick up this win. A little bit more improvement as well, Johnny. And, and I just thought just off the top of my head, Hunt, uh, Suley, Maguire, Laurie, Sewer, they, they were huge for mine in terms of what they did uh, with, with the ball. Um, who did you like in that performance uh, on Sunday, uh, Sunday evening, Johnny? Yeah, look, I think you know, hit the nail on the head there. I thought um, I thought it was the best game that we have uh, seen our centre, uh, Moses Suli, play since he's um, donned the red V. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Um, he was a threat there on the left-hand side. Um, you know, our, our go-to the last few seasons and the start of this season has really been to give uh, Zach Lomax as much, as much ball as we can in early ball. Um, it was a little bit of shift on the weekend. I thought we went to Moses Suli's side a lot more than Zach's mm. side. I don't know if it was a, a, a ploy to, to run at Dane Gagai, Gagai rather than run at Bradman Best, but um, I, I really thought that Moses Suli was fantastic. And if he can hold that form for the rest of the season, um, I think he's going to live up to some of the hype that we know he can play. Uh, look, Jack Jack Bird was fairly solid there. I think he calmed the farm a little bit wearing the number six. I still mm. don't believe that that's his position, but um, I thought he was he was he was a little bit better there. Um, Junior Ramon when he came on Jack, you know, I know he only played ten minutes, but he sort of was like a Jack in a box out there. He uh, mm. he really sparked the attack. He had a hand in in both the tries to uh, Matty Fainai. And while we're talking about Matty Fainai, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, mm. You know, he it was, it was a good winger's try, his first one, where he, where he held his whips there on the field. But the, but that last try in the 79th minute, um, Suley's made the break and he just, it was, you know, like a duck on a hot plate there, um, close to the line where he just put some amazing footwork on and scored that try. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And I, I honestly think that Matty Fainai is going to absolutely secure one of those wing spots long term. Cody Ramsey's going to really struggle to get back in this first grade side if Matty Fainai and I can keep that form up. Um, I thought he was absolutely tremendous there at the back. Uh, look, Ben Hunt again, I thought he was really good. Um, Benny Hunt's really steering this ship very, very well. I, one little criticism I've got with Ben on the weekend, I thought that some of his last tackle options, Jack, were very, very mm, poor. Um, yep. I don't know if he miscounted a few times or the instruction went down or there was a lack of communication um, between him and McCulloch there, but there was a couple of times at key times throughout the game where it really broke down and I thought we really needed to execute with a with a very attacking kick and try and get a repeat set or uh, something along those lines, but it seemed to uh, really break break down. Um, I think um, our interchanges were really good. I, I liked Josh McGuire come on. I mm. thought once he went into that middle middle sort of part late in the game, he... Um, you know, he really cooled the heads down a little bit. And when you're, when you're making an 87% completion rate for the game, um, you're going to find it hard to get beat. And that's where we need to be week in, week out. Yeah. Um, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, being that 85 is an absolute bare minimum. So I'm quite happy to see the 87% sort of come up there on on the stats for the Dragons. And speaking of bench players, and you know you know I'm a bit of a fan of him, Blakey Laurie. Um, he's been in probably a form slump at the moment in the last few weeks and, Hasn't really been contributing that much to what he should be contributing, either starting the side or coming off the bench. But Blake Laurie coming off the bench the, uh, on Sunday down at Wynn Stadium, I thought he was fantastic. I'll go, I'll go forward and say that's probably the best game he's had of the season. Mm. Um, and, if, and if he might be a bench forward, someone that just needs to come on and play in short spurts. Um, and if that's the way that Hook Griffin's going to play him, we're going to get the best out of Blake Laurie. I thought um, his contact was good, his metres were good, and I also thought he shoveled the pill on pretty well. And it's not mm. like we haven't seen Blocker really pass the pill much in his career. And um, he passed it at a crucial time there where they got the ball um, on the left-hand side. And I think they ended up at a try there at that time. That was Matty Fainai's try. So, look, good good rotation of the interchange bench, I thought, was fantastic. 
the only one there I'll criticise is just Junior Ramon. I'd really like to see him get more game time, but I'm not going to harp on that one, Jack. Mm. I'm going to take the two points. I'm going to be grateful that the Dragons got a victory, and um, we'll, we'll push forward for, for this week. I like what we did offensively or attacking-wise in the second half, uh, Johnny. In the first half, as they were attacking the southern end of the, the ground, we were sitting in the southern grandstand, and it, it really looked like we just lacked a little bit of confidence, which I guess is normal when you're, you're, on, uh, you're staring down the barrel at potentially five defeats in a row. If they lost that, they'd lost their last four. Um, and we just seemed to do those last tackle options. As you mentioned, I thought Benny Hunt kind of got a little bit caught in a, uh, like a deer in the headlights with, with some of those last tackle plays, and then even the ones that we did get away it was Jack Bird sometimes putting up a bomb on tackle five no pressure um, on, on Caelan Ponga and then Ben uh, Benny might be putting up a, a bomb or a little chip in behind it just seemed to be a little bit elementary but I don't know what it was it was almost like a, a switch was flicked in that second half and we started to play that off the cuff style of footy that, that you and I have seen the Dragons play in, in recent years unfortunately it's few and far in bet- between but once they started kind of spinning the ball out to that left edge giving Moses Sully some early ball he combined really well with Matty Fiernay, Junior Mona, as you mentioned, he came on, he gave us a little bit of spark around the middle of the park. Benny started getting involved. It started to look really, really good. And, and I, I guess when when you look at that performance, you probably don't think Josh Maguire coming on would, would spark that kind of revolve. But I just feel like he he seemed to bring a bit of com- uh, little bit of confidence to, to the squad and certainly to, to Benny out there. He straightened the attack. He, he kept things simple. He was communicating a lot. Uh, I was watching the replay earlier today, Johnny, and he was barking orders at, at everyone. And he's an experienced head. We know that, but he's probably not someone that you really view as, as a leader or, or as an experienced head just due to the fact that he does do some real bonehead things um, at at times, but I thought not just what he did on the field in terms of the meters gained and the strong impact he had through the middle of the park, but I thought some of his leadership and uh, the settling uh, settling down of, of the ball playing probably really helped Benny Hunt and some of those other playmakers out there as we, we got things going offensively in the second half. He played big minutes, Josh McGuire. He played 55 minutes, so he was out there for a fair chunk of the game. He was sort of playing in that that lock sort of position. I think he rotated a fair bit there with JDB, and I, I think he... Op- 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 he offered a little bit more than what JDB JDB out there in the middle. Mm. When Josh sort of come on the field, they you right, you, they straightened up their play. But it was in the last probably 12, 13 minutes. I thought they were absolutely outstanding, and that's when um, Junior came on. J- Junior Moan came on and brought a bit of spark into the side. Um, look, I, I thought it, I'm not going to shit can Andy, Andy McCulloch here because I thought no. Macca did a fairly fairly decent job we on the weekend. He scored that smart you know, he try, got, didn't he? he? He did. He, he sniffed out that smart try. And I tell you what, the markers must be slow because Andy's not very quick, <laughs> uh, dummy ass. But look, I thought he was really good. But you know, for them old legs um, towards the end of the game. Um, it just proved at the moment he's not an 80-minute player. And it's a position at the moment where I, where I desperately think the Dragons, they probably need someone that's got a fairly good number nine running game. Junior Ramon has got that, but I don't think Junior Ramon's a nine. I think this no. side's set up for, for a decent utility to, re- to really shine wearing this number 14. And, and it showed that towards the end of the game because Junior with fresh young legs really teared it up through the middle and he brought that bit of spark in the last 15 minutes and that creativity and that running game that Junior brought those last those last 11 minutes I thought was outstanding. But the way in the last, you know, even the last 15 minutes of the game, Jack, they sort of, um, they played that off-the-cuff football mm. that uh, we, we love to watch, we love to witness. And I think if the Dragons can play that sort of style and brand of rugby league, they're going to be an exciting team to watch. 
Yeah, that's that, that, that's true. And I think, and we'll talk about this more in, in the match preview um, against the Roosters because I think when you play sides like the Roosters, uh, Penrith, and we saw them play a little bit off the cuff against the Panthers and Melbourne and even Cronulla who are affirming look like, look like they might be a top four side, I think you've got to play that style of footy. I, I don't know if you can um, necessarily go through that methodical procedure of what we'll like when we're under Wayne Bennett where you, you get through your five tackles, kick to the corners and then back your defence because I just don't think our defence is in, in a position to, to really stop teams from from scoring a whole bunch of points. But if you can put pressure on them at the other end, I reckon that is, uh, that's that's going to be the formula to, to maybe the Dragons sneaking a few wins this year. Just just back on what you were you were talking about, Johnny, and I totally agree with you in regards to Junior Amon. I think he's doing a really good job um, as that that kind of 14, that, that bench playing hook role. But I think what we're going to see um, in future weeks, and it may even start happening uh, from now on in, is if, if he's playing 20, 25, 30 minutes off the bench, he's a great creator to play. He's a great attacking player, but there's always, or not always, but there has been a few question marks over Junior Moan's defense, even when he was uh, playing at 5'8". And if he's playing in that, um, uh, I guess, uncustomary number nine position for, for the Dragons, all it takes is a slide like the Roosters to throw Lindsay Collins, Jadaria Hargreaves, Angus Crichton at him all day. He's not only uh, got to make some big defensive decisions, but he's going to be emptying the tank with some some big defensive duties. As we know, number nines, they can make 50, 60 tackles a game. So there's no reason why he might might be forced to make 22 or 25 tackles on Anzac Day if he's out there for half an hour, and that's certainly going to drain you um, when when it comes to attacking at a dummy half, especially in a position that you you don't have a whole lot of experience in, Johnny. Yeah, I 100% agree. The, the more defensive work you do, the more the more drained you get. And I know Junior at the moment, a lot of people are, have been talking about some of his defensive flaws, but when you're defending in the middle of the field, it's a completely different ball game to defending out on a fringe. When you're defending in the middle, you, you've just got big boppers running at you all day, and then you've got your own big boppers side by side. When you're defending out on a fringe, you've got so many decisions you make. You hit the, you hit the front runner, you hit, you're you going to take on the behind runner. Um, you, you're talking to your wing, you're talking to your back rower, you're doing a lot of shuffling. Mm. I think Junior will find himself a little bit more comfortable defending in the middle of the field because he's not going to have so many options to think about. And Look, I don't think Junior's a bad defender. I just think at the moment he's just he's still trying to learn the game and reading some of the plays of that attacking set's coming at him. And that'll all come. We've got to remember that Junior was playing SG ball last year. Mm. He's gone from SG ball to New South Wales Cup into the NRL, same as Tyrell. The more time that these guys play in NRL, the better they're going to be. In terms of decision making in the, in in the middle, Johnny, is it going to be tough for someone like um, Junior Moan to try and control the ruck? Because we've seen how slow that that ruck defence is for the Dragons, and and, and we'll we'll talk about this in in our next point. I still thought we were we were quite brittle defensively, but is is it going to be tough for someone like Junior Moan when he does come on in the final twenty or thirty minutes and he's up against some of those big big boys uh, from from the Roosters, from the Melbourne, or every side that you you play in the competition to try and control that control that that ruck and try and keep that solidarity in the middle of the park? I think he'll bring energy to the middle, Jack. I, I don't think we're going to lose much there if Junior's got to play an extra 15 minutes in the middle of the field. But, you know, if, if Junior is losing the battle in the middle of the ruck, which I don't think he will, some of the onus has got to go to his front rowers that are standing side mm. by side with him. You know, you've got this young 19, 20-year-old sitting in the middle of the paddock. If your two big boppers aren't there protect, protecting him and doing their best to, to dominate and own the middle with him, you know, th- those front rowers should go and sit on the bench and rotate them with someone else that's going to look after you, your young bloke in the middle of the field. But I think I think Junior will be right. I think his front-on defence is fantastic. 
Um, I, I, I tend to feel he'll do a good job moving forward if that's the role that Hook Griffin's going to play. I don't think it's the ideal role for Junior alone. Mm. And long term, I don't think Jim will see Junior there. But at the moment, he's doing a job for the team. Um, whether he's a you know filling a gap for someone else that's going to jump into this number fourteen role in the next few weeks, who knows? I mean, I've got my thoughts on who should be there. But at the moment, Hook's sticking and picking and sticking with Junior there. And um, look, he's doing nothing to to lose that number fourteen role at the moment. Johnny, what do you make of our defence? Um, I, I thought we were still very slow around the ruck at times. I thought there was times that we looked pretty solid and defended okay. I thought our goal line defence was, was okay, but then you all can also point to that try where Kalen Ponga was dancing around on a 10-cent piece to set up, I think it was Anari Tuala, for their, their their first try. And then there was that awful, awful try that I, I didn't want to – I actually felt it was painful to, to to watch it again when Dan Gagai scored and the, and the ball went through about three or four sets of hands and there was players just standing and watching and, and ball watching. Um, there was also some sizable gaps left in the middle of the park. We weren't dominating that, that ruck and uh, the, the markers were a little bit slow to, to get into position. When you look through that 80-minute performance against the Knights, what did you, uh, what did you overall make of that, that, that Dragons defensive performance, Johnny? Yeah, look, it, it wasn't the best. And, you know, you've brought up a great couple of points there, but the one that really highlighted me and showed that uh, we're a little bit out on our way was when Bradman Best absolutely stood up mm. Zach Lomax and, and gave that ball for Ponga for the try. I thought that was the that was the one that highlighted me that was probably the worst defensive read because Zach's been such a good defensive centre. Uh, you know, he, you know, he's got a great attacking game. He's probably a better attacking football than what he's a defensive footballer at the moment. But just the way that Bradman Best was able to open him up just like that and went through him like um you know a, a knife through hot butter it was just uh, a hot hot knife through butter it was um, <laughs> don't know if i've seen hot butter was, anywhere johnny but that's no, all right. we'll, we'll was, give you a pass uh, for that one mate <laughs> it was uh you know it was a, it was a very poor defensive route and that just highlighted me that um you know our fringes still need a lot of work there in defense but yeah, we we're a little bit slow in the middle, Jack, and we missed a, a few more tackles than what the, the Knights did, um, 50 missed tackles for the game. Mm. The Dragons notched up, so it's not a good defensive display, really, if you're missing 40 tackles, uh, 50 tackles. Do you, do you think that performance for Zach – and let's – I want to preface this by saying – I know it's a Dragons podcast, but Bradman Best is a, is a quality player. Um, probably doesn't get the plaudits that, he, that he, he deserves, but he is a damaging ball runner out there. He's just like an absolute ball of muscle that, that has got a lot of pace, a lot of upper body strength. And he gave Zach a bath on, on more than uh, more than a couple of occasions. There was that try you spoke about, Johnny, but when I was re-watching the game today, there was plenty of tackle bra- tackle breaks on Zach Lomax that, 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 that Brad and gave him. Do you reckon Zach's learned a thing or two in, in that game? I think any time you play any sport and you've been outplayed by your opposite number, whether it's it's cricket or soccer or league or union, you, you, you do a bit of self-analysis and look at it. Do you reckon Zach's learned a few things from, from that performance against the Knights? I think Zach would be a little bit disappointed in his, his defensive performance against Bradman Best. Um, you've got to think these two, these two young football players are, are potentially New South Wales centres in the next few years. Um, and that was that was a bit of a showdown to sort of see who's the who's the who's the up and coming young centre coming through the ranks that's you know in that emerging blues sort of side. And uh, Bradman Best had it all over Zach Lomax. So I think going into the next game, if the Knights play the Dragons later on in the season, uh, Zach's going to really remember that one and try and get one over Bradman Best, like Bradman got over Zach there on the weekend. Uh, is this a win, Johnny? Do you think that that can or will inspire confidence for us to to push on and maybe string a few victories in a row, or is this just going to be seen as as a victory against a Newcastle side that was missing some key players? 
Oh, look, you can only play what's in front of you. The, the, I'd have been absolutely disappointed if the Dragons couldn't knock the Knights over on the weekend. Uh, look, it, it was a winnable game for us, and we did get the two points. Uh, it's one of those games that you will get confidence from. Any any win when you're in a form slump, you, you're gonna you're gonna ooze confidence for the next week going into the going into the following week. And I'm just hoping that that win, that sniff of victory, might just be enough to to kick the Dragons in the ass to move forward in the next few weeks. And look, it's a huge test this week, Jack, and we'll, we'll go into the game very shortly. But you know, I'm I'm hoping that this is the win, the the kick in the ass that the Dragons need to to press on and put a couple together. Yeah, let's hope so. It was an important win. It was scratchy at times, but sometimes you just need to get out of that hole you're in. And they did that, uh, the Dragons there, with a 21 points to 16 win against the Newcastle Knights. Let's jump in from our match review to our match preview. That's brought to you by our podcast sponsor, the Cogger Clubhouse, located down there at Railway Parade at Carlton. I just want to let you guys know that we actually are going to be doing a Q&A uh, coming up in the next month down there at the Cogger Clubhouse on Saturday, the 21st of May. It's going to be uh, before the Dragons uh, home clash at Cogra against the New Zealand Warriors. The kickoff for that game at Cogra is at three. We're going to be at the Cogra Clubhouse from 12 until two. We've got uh, two uh, former St. George players from the 1996 grand final side, Mark Bell, uh, the centre and winger, and also Noel Goldthorpe, the halfback. He played over 100 games uh, for the Red V there. Uh, both been good enough to give up some time. We're going to be uh, giving away a signed Dragons jersey. Uh, it's $25 per ticket. We'll be uh, posting uh, the, the link and how to get your tickets and uh, food and drinks and all those kinds of things, which is all included um, in, your, in your ticket as well. Um, in the next few days, we'll be punching out uh, that uh, that link and uh, yeah, also uh, posting up some graphics as well. Would love you guys to join us. So certainly uh, 21st of May, save the date. I know we've all got to vote that day, so let's uh, get the boring stuff out of the way early on and uh, you can enjoy a Q&A for a couple of hours at the Corrin Clubhouse. Walk down to Cogra Oval and hopefully see uh, the Dragons put a hurting on the Warriors uh, on the 21st of May. Big thanks for Corrin Clubhouse uh, sponsoring the Red V podcast in season 2022. Well, Johnny, uh, Anzac Day, it hasn't been a happy hunting ground for the Dragons in recent seasons. We spoke about it before. We haven't won the Anzac Day clash since 2018. And on more than a few occasions, uh, the, uh, the the Chooks have put 30 or 40 on us and beating us, uh, beating us pretty uh, convincingly. Uh, you look into your, your crystal ball on, on Monday afternoon. What do you see of this uh, big match against the Roosters on Anzac Day at the Sydney Cricket Ground, mate? Oh, I love this clash. I, I love Anzac Day. I I love the dawn service and the two up, and then by three o'clock you're watching the or four o'clock you're watching the dragons game. It's um it's a great day of the year, and it just tops it all off to sit in the afternoon and watch the dragons. Uh, look, I'm really looking forward to this one, especially now the dragons won last week and they're going to have a bit bit of confidence in them. Uh, look, the chooks, you know, they, they've been plugging away and winning, but I don't think the chooks have been that impressive no, the last few weeks. No. I think I think they're just sort of battling through and just winning games and. They're limping into victories and limping through victories and just getting there for the 80 minutes. And I think it's an absolute prime time to take on the Roosters. I think they're a little bit vulnerable. They're looking for form, and I don't think they've hit it now, and I don't think they're going to hit it in the next few weeks. I think they're still working out combinations. I think the combination of Luke Keary and Sam Walker is still a little bit clunky. I think they're trying to work out each other. I'm not saying our halves partnership is any more clunkiness or anything like that because mm. they're working each other out as well. But I think it's a prime time to take the Roosters on and um, look off the victory last week. As I said, I, I'm really confident the Dragons can take that form into this week. And if we complete around that 87 to 90%, um, mm. I think it's going to be enough to beat the Roosters this week. Ball security is going to be key. 
Um, but also our defence. They've got a huge patch, uh, you know, Jared Weir, Hargraves, Lindsay Collins. You know, you've got a, a five-star back row there in Angus Crichton and Satili Tupanua and Victor Radley. Look, big names on paper, but I don't think those big names are really putting in on the field at the moment, Jack. A win here, Johnny, and it's 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 big us saying uh, to to win here. But a win against the Roosters, it can almost be a launching pad for the season. All of a sudden, you, you move yourself to three and four. You, you jump to six competition points, and you're potentially knocking on the door of of the top eight. And like you've mentioned, the Roosters they haven't hurt. They certainly haven't hit th- their straps so far this season. Probably a good time to play them. We all know what happened on the Anzac Day clash last year with the the Dragons. Um, I think Jordy Pereira got sent to the sin bin, and, and the Roosters put a bit of a score in us but I feel like if we can kind of mirror attacking wise what we did in that last quarter of an hour throw the ball around get it to our edge players we both know that the likes of kind of uh, Yamosa Suli Zach Lomax Jaden Sewer Tarek Sims those guys on the edge they can be really damaging ball runners and I reckon that's how we're going to hurt the Roosters the most if we can get them early ball um, get them some quality ball as well and and we know what these guys can do they've got quality written all over them if they can get, get, get some decent ball early, all of a sudden you might be able to, yeah, find a few little chinks in the armour of that Roosters defence and you skip ahead by six or eight and, and all of a sudden that confidence is rising, Johnny. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Jack. I also think that the the use of our interchange is absolutely going to be crucial mm. at the times that Hook Griffin does use our guys. You have a look at the bench and I know the Roosters have star started all through one to 13 and, and the price is right. I know we are very, very outsiders to win this game, but you know, on the Roosters bench is Drew Hutchinson, Fletcher Baker, Nat Butcher and, and Taki Aho. All, all fair players, but the way that Junior Amone went last week, Blake Laurie, Josh Maguire and George Burgess, I'd be taking the interchange form for the Dragons over the interchange form for the Roosters. And if we can see Junior come on about 10 minutes before half time and sort of, you know, get in between and, and through the middle in between Jared Weirah Hargraves and Limji Collins on the back end of their shift, I think we can find a little bit of joy up the middle there. Yeah, the Dragons sitting at $4 at the moment, Johnny, on uh, at the time for recording. Roosters $1.25 uh, on the sports betting uh, stakes. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I don't, like, no disrespect to the to the Roosters, um, but I, I just think a lot of those guys on the bench are your, your average first graders, certainly n- not plotters by any stretch of the imagination, solid club players, but I, I wouldn't be overly concerned with that. And I, I think our bench after last week, and I might end up with egg on my face by, by Monday night time, Johnny, but I feel like there's a lot more balance in, in the bench now. You've obviously got Junior's had a few games under his belt in that 14 role and starting to feel maybe a little bit more comfortable as the utility coming on. Blake Laurie had his best attacking game of the, the season, ran for 182 metres. I uh, wasn't overly impressed with George Burgess on, on Sunday, but I feel like for a man that's been under all sorts of pressure with what's going on with the court system, playing reserve grade, still coming back from that hip injury, him getting some minutes under his belt against the Knights was important. I think he can be a really damaging player. And then you've got Josh Maguire. So all of a sudden, that those four players on the bench are, are starting to become quite integral members of, of your side when uh, earlier this year and certainly last year and, and the, the, the previous couple of years before that, uh, I think the forwards coming off, off the bench, you saw a, a big drop down, especially when we had the likes of, of Paul Vaughan and, and Tarek Sims and Tyson Frazell and those kind of guys playing, the, the ones that came on to replace them, it just wasn't the same quality. But if Josh Maguire and Blake Laurie can replicate what they did against the Knights, then I reckon the Dragons are going to be sitting fairly, uh, fairly pretty in, in this class against the Roosters. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, Jack. And you know, George Burgess's form. I think he's the he's the one that could potentially get dropped out of this seventeen, and maybe Aaron Wood slip in above him. Um, it's probably an ideal game for someone like Aaron for Aaron Woods to come into, um, where we can control that ruck a little bit more. I know George Burgess has got a little bit more size, but I think um, Aaron Woods is probably a little bit more game fit than George Burgess, and we're going to probably need those game fit players um, against the Roosters on Monday. Do you feel that the style of football that the Dragons play generally, and I'm not talking about the off-the-cuff style that we play a little bit here and there, Johnny, but our general style of football, do you feel like that plays into the hands of, of a side like the Roosters considering their recent success over us? Oh, look, I'm not a huge fan of um, of the Dragon style of football at the moment, Jack, apart from the, the last 10 minutes of last week. I think it's too telegraphed at the moment. Mm. Um, you look at all your, your your top teams at the moment, your, your likes of your, your Cronulla Sharks and you're talking about the Storm and the Panthers. 90% of their gameplay, or maybe 80% of their gameplay is all off the cuff. It's eyes up football. They get to a certain point of the, of the field and there they go. They just play what's in front of them. I don't think, and, you know, I, they, they, the Dragons might be doing it. I'm just I'm just not watching it close enough. But I don't think that we're playing that off the cuff style that we need to be playing to beat these, these top tier teams. And um, the Roosters are a very good defensive side. They're a structured defensive side. So if you run structure at them, they're really going to, um, you know, come up and smack you in the grill. But I think if you can throw the ball around and play a little bit of ad-lib football off the cuff, I really think it's the way to beat the Roosters. Yeah, let's hope the Dragons can uh, try and and do that. Uh, Johnny, before we, we finish our match preview, uh, two questions. First one, who who are the, the who is the main threat or the main threats for the Chooks? And, and what's your score prediction for Monday afternoon? Look, I, I think Victor Radley is going to have an absolute blinder. I think, um, you know, he steps up for the occasion each week and him controlling the middle of the field. I, I really think that he's going to be an absolute standout, Victor. Uh, look, Sam Walker, I, I, I'd be directing traffic all day at him. Um, but in saying that, he, he's got his um, he's got his bodyguard out there this week, Angus Crichton. So um, it might be a little, little bit tougher than the last past few weeks mm. to sort of get past Sam Walker. Uh, look, I think that Sam Walker being that young player in the occasion of Anzac Day, um, I think he's really going to step up and he could be an absolute match winner there for the Chooks. Uh, for us, Jack, I, I'm looking for I'm looking for Zach Lomax to turn some form around here. Yep. I think the big occasion for Zach um, up against Joseph Manu, um, I think this could be an absolute clash. And um, I'm going to go down to the wire here, Jack, and we're going to pull off a Matty Head miracle from years ago and uh, <laughs> we're going to win one from the sideline converted there. How good would that be? That would be a huge confidence boost for the Dragons in season 20. 22. Always a great um, affair as well, Anzac Day as well, and, and we certainly remember that it's not just all about football, it's about uh, celebrating, acknowledging the, the, the past of the men and women um, and the fallen soldiers that have, have fought for our freedom, and, and no doubt we'll hear more about that in, in the lead-up to the uh, the Anzac Day weekend or the Anzac uh, Day game that's happening on, on Monday um, afternoon. I know uh, the, the Storm and the Warriors are also playing their annual fixture as well, and I think it's yeah, it's certainly great the NRL is so closely aligned uh, with the Anzac spirit as well. Um, so let's hope the boys uh, can get up over the line on the weekend. We're going to take another break here on the Red V Podcast. Still a couple of more lovely sections to uh, for you to uh, feast your ears on. We're going to have a full lower grade wrap. It was the first time this season the Dragons had victories in all three grades. So we're going to have a full recap of the big win in the New South Wales Cup against the Blacktown Workers Seagulls. And also the Jersey Fleet under-21 side had a big win against Manly. And alongside that, we'll also have a look at some of the junior rep actions. Unfortunately, Illawarra and St. Georgia out of all of their respective competitions. And a little bit later on, we'll have your fans' corner questions here on the Red V Podcast. Episode 118 of the Red V Podcast. Jack Clifton is my name. Johnny Pett alongside me talking everything St. George Illawarra. 
Time to jump in and take a deep dive look at the Dragons' lower grade results has happened over the weekend. And Johnny, it was a big weekend and, a, and quite a good weekend, I guess, when you're looking at just uh, the reserve grade and the under-21 results uh, for, for the Dragons. The under-21s Jersey Fleek side, they're, they're having quite a good season now under Willie Talau. We saw that last season. They were currently, well, they were second when the season was cancelled due to COVID. Uh, they've won three, drawn one and lost one from their five games. They did have a game last week against South Sydney uh, rule rained out because of uh, inclement weather, but they bounced back this week against, uh, I guess you could say, a depleted Manly side that had a player sent off. They also had a player sent to the sin bin inside the first half an hour, but they uh, rolled to victory and rolled to rolled to victory convincingly, uh, 48 points to 28 in that fixture. Uh, but before we, we talk about the Jersey Fleek side, let's talk about the New South Wales Cup side, Johnny. They were, as you would say, playing like busters the first month of the season, uh, then a, a 30 points to 26 win against South last week, and then uh, d- definitely put their best performance of the season um, in uh, in that uh, that game down there at Wynn Stadium that was the precursor uh, to the first grade fixture in the Dragons. They ran absolutely right, won by 42 points to four against uh, the Blacktown Workers Seagulls. It was a wonderful performance by both Tyrell Sloan and the 5'8", Jaden Sullivan. We had Aaron Woods down there. Uh, Jonathan Rubin, the uh, the Michaeli Ravalawa uh, mini-me version, he's bagged uh, He bagged a hat-trick. We saw uh, Jackson Ford, Alex Lobb, Brad Dietz, and Jaden Sullivan get over the line. And Cameron Cryer, absolutely perfect with the boot. Seven from uh, from seven. Uh, Johnny, a very impressive performance. I don't know what's what's been put in the water, what's been put in the Gatorade down there at, at Wollongong for, for the Dragons reserve grade side, but they're put in two really good performances and, and it feels like they're just starting to turn the corner. Yeah, look, it, it, it really does help when you get probably your star player back in Jaden Sullivan. Um, you know, there's no surprise that since he's come back into mm, the fold, they've, two and um, they've since really he's turned been their, season, their, their, their season around. Look, he's a class act. We know how easy he, he's playing well. And, he, and he's partnered up really well with Cameron Cryer and Cameron Cryer playing against his ex-club there on the weekend. So he would have been quite happy to um to play a solid game and, um you know, be perfect with the boot. Tyrell Sloan at the back was, was very good. I know that he... um. He made a few mistakes in the game, but um, look, I'd rather see Tyrell make a few mistakes and have a, have a big dig than go back to reserve grade and um, you know shove his head in the sand and have a bit of a, a teary about him being dropped back to reserve grade. But I'll, I'll, I'll give Tyrell Sloan a bit of a rap. He's gone back to reserve grade and um, he's playing hungry and he looks like he wants to be out there, Jack. So I'm impressed with what he's doing and getting knocked back into reserve grade. Uh, Connor Mulhase in the game, he really controlled the middle of the field. I thought his service out there and the quick service out to Jaden Sullivan and also Cameron Quart. All right, was absolutely five-star and it really got him on the front foot. And when you've got a forward pack with Jaden Hunt, Aaron Woods, Jackson Ford, Jack Gavesky and Tyrell Fuamayono, you've got to be confident going into the game. Pawasa Farmasuli and Mick Molo off the bench and Daniel Alvaro. So you have got potentially a first-grade, reserve-grade interchange bench there on your, you know, in the New South Wales Cup side, Jack. Mm. So, um, and that also filtered down. So I dare say we'll see the same again this week when we see the the um, emissions from the, um, the top 24 names that were named this week for the NRL. And a quick shout out to Alex Lobb as well. We've chatted with Alex on the podcast before. He he came through that SG ball system for the Steelers. He played uh, 21s or Jersey Fleg last year and was one of the, the keen performers. And he's actually scored uh, a try in each of the last three New South Wales Cup games for the Dragons. He's got three meat pies for the season. He also scored a, scored a try. He's been a very good positional positional winger. So good on Alex for being part of that New South Wales Cup side, moving himself up and, and getting a few meat, meat pies uh, under under his belt. Uh, so a nice win for, for the Dragons on the weekend. They won by 40 
42 points to, to four. And they're going to have to gear themselves up for what's going to be a, another big clash uh, this weekend in the, the New South Wales Cup. They'll take on the first place North Sydney Bears. So that's happening Sunday, two o'clock at North Sydney Oval with no a Dragons footy until Monday. If you're keen to see the Dragons reserve grade side, I encourage you to get on out there to North Sydney Oval. It's a wonderful ground. Unfortunately, it's not an NRL ground anymore. Uh, I know it's the, the hallowed turf of the, the, the mighty North Sydney Bears and they're uh, really enjoying a, a successful season as well, the Bears. So uh, get out there to North Sydney Oval Sunday, two o'clock as the Dragons look to uh, continue to uh, pull themselves up the ladder and uh, there should be plenty of uh, first graders uh, in that squad as well for the Dragons. So an exciting fixture out there on, uh, on Sunday afternoon against the Bears. We touched on it before. Johnny, a nice win for the Jersey Fleek side, 48 points to 28. And the under-21 side, they've lost just one game uh, so far this season. And, and although uh, maybe a few little defensive lapses late on in that game, anytime you put 48 points on the board, you're going to be you're going to be pleased. And, and Trey Stewart, who's been uh, part of that Jersey Fleek side last year, but played a little bit of New South Wales Cup to begin the season. Uh, he bagged four tries uh, going back to that Jersey Fleek side. And, and two names that we've spoken about a lot in the podcast as well in, in, uh, in uh, Jackson Sherub and also Josh Corrick also dropped down to the Jersey Fleek side. That certainly would have been a boost and uh, I'm sure Willie Tiller are very thankful to have uh, those three players in there and it, it certainly paid dividends for the Dragons in a convincing 20-point uh, victory. Yeah, nice win there. It does help when you get the likes of Trey Stewart drop back, Jackson Sherub, Josh Corrick. Trey Stewart so he, he's an absolute talent. I know he played out there in the picket swing there um, on, on the weekend. But, look, Trey Stewart, if you go back to the SG ball side, the Steelers side that won that under-18 side a few years ago, he was actually playing fullback and and, and, Ty, and Tyrell Sloan was actually on the wing that mm. day, Jack. So I know I know Tyrell was bottom age for that one, but um, Trey's been, uh, you know, he's been scouted for a long time and he's, he's playing some fantastic football. Harry Bud's one, uh, Hayden Bud's one to watch, Jack, mm. one of the, the centres there. I know you've talked about him and he's got a, some brutal talent and I think he's um, he's one to watch out of that side the next few weeks and he'll be a, he'll be a mainstay here in that um, Jersey flag side. And with the, with the movement in the top grades, uh, you know, you're, you're selecting 24 each week. Some of them are getting dropped down to New South Wales Cup and then the flow-on effect. Uh, I think we're going to see a very, very good showing for this Jersey flag side for this season. Last year before COVID hit, I'm pretty confident they were at the top of the tree mm, at one second, stage. Second, yeah. They, Jack, they, they, yeah, they, they were, you know, they, they were destined for good, for big things there. So hopefully, uh, for Willie Talao's men, they can t- continue this run of form. And um, the Sea Eagles have always been strong in, in in this age group, so it's good to get that one over the Sea Eagles. Yeah, they take on the Roosters this week. It won't be a precursor at the SCG, but a, a, a cracking game against the top-of-the-table Roosters who have played six games, won five and, and lost one and already have a, a positive points dif- differential of plus 116. So that's going to be a real test for uh, Willie Talao's uh, men there at uh, in, in the Jersey Fleet competition. It's actually going to be played down at Collegian Sporting Complex on Saturday morning. So 11.30 a.m. Uh, kickoff there. The Roosters up against the uh, the Dragons should be an absolute uh, cracking game if uh, you're down there in the south coast, a beautiful region of Wollongong and uh, you're keen to see some of those boys, especially the likes of, of Jackson Sherub and Josh Corrick, who we could be seeing in first grade in, in future years. Two quality players that could be playing uh, down in that uh, that uh, that Jersey Flake system. Uh, before we uh, move on, let's just take a look at how those uh, those two lower grade sides uh, line up. Unfortunately, um, they're probably going to change or fortunately they're, they're, they're going to be uh, they're going to be changing uh, with so many of the first grade guys
Jaguars heading back uh, to uh, the reserve grade competition. But for argument's sake, this is how the side lines up for the reserve grade game against the North Sydney Bears. Uh, Trey Stewart at the back, Jonathan Rubin and Alex Lobb on the flanks with Ethan Clarkwood and Sam McCann the centres, Cameron Cryer and Dean Bloor the halves. The front row of Puasa Famasuli, Connor Mulhaisen and Jaden Hunt with Shalom Ofu, uh, Jackson Sherub and Michael Molo the back row, Brad Dietz, Daniel Alvaro, Josh Corrick, Jack Boiling and Tristan Alvarado. I dare say a few of those will drop down to the Jersey Flake side. They are named as this. Callan Gromick at the fullback position, Cooper Roberts and John Vunga on the flanks with Hayden Budd and Ben Johnson who had a good game on the weekend in the centres. Zach Herring is the 5'8", Braxton Wallace halfback, Bryce McNone, McNone and Dallas Collins, the props. Sam Hooper, the hooker and captain with Harley Sanchez, Duke Grant and Declan Purcell, the back row. Mackenzie Roach, Phoenix, Avedon Abu Affinity, Aaron Johnson, Callum Perryman, Harry Rudd and Thomas Phillips line out the 19-man squad there for the Jersey Flag side. Well, it, there was a host of wins on the weekend for the Dragons in the lower grades, but unfortunately, uh, that was not such good news for the SG Ball Cup and the, ha- the Tashigal Cup sides that uh, took place over the weekend. It was a sudden death elimination semi-finals. The Panthers are uh, far too strong for Illawarra Johnny in that elimination final at Ringrose Park. It uh, shouldn't take any uh, gloss or anything uh, away from the, the season for the Steelers, and it was very difficult with COVID and all the wet conditions and not being able to get to training and different things like that, but they just didn't have the firepower to, to defeat a very good Penrith side that could go very long in this competition. Navarre Doyle scored the only try and Ryan Hodgson added the extras and, and uh, the, the Panthers way too strong and a, a five tries to one win winning by 24 points to six. Yeah, that, that, that was a class team and we identified this Panthers side of probably in rounds one and two of the competition. Jack, we spoke about how good they were and you know, they were just too good on the day for the Steelers. The Steelers, uh, they're a solid side. Uh, look, speaking to a few people who are at the game, Toby Couchman had an absolute blinder of a game. Um, he's been one of their probably best this season up front, really laying the foundations for the rest of the pack. And Jack, Jack Bostock, um, he's been an absolute try-scoring machine and he had another good game. Uh, look, yeah, good work by the Steelers to get this deep into the in, into the into the competition, knocked out in the in the finals week, but look, up against a good Panthers side and some of these players will get to go around again next year in that 19s age group. Yeah, unfortunately, both Illawarra and St. George were knocked out of the women's uh, Tasha Gale Cup, the under-19 competitions with the Dragons. The reigning premiers go out uh, in their first fixture. They went down 22 points to 20 against Newcastle, and Illawarra went down in a low-scoring affair against the West Tigers, 8-4. Again, great seasons by both those uh, those girls' organisations and certainly some quality players that are going to feed into that Dragons. NRLW side that we've spoken about at length here on the podcast. We've seen uh, Tegan Berry be an absolute machine for the Dragons, and I'm sure some of the, uh, the girls that wear the scarlet and white and the red V uh, will be uh, we're wearing the red V of the senior side in, in future years uh, so commiserations to the girls but uh, they have a chance to uh, yeah get get uh, get uh, some off-season uh, work into them and uh, yeah get to play some of their, their local footy as well which is going to be beneficial for them and, and take some of the stuff that they learnt uh, from that professional system in the Tasha Gale Cup uh, as well so they they bowed out so unfortunately no uh, St George or Illawarra sides left in the junior reps but uh, certainly uh, some, some good seasons and good memories uh, to look back on for a lot of those uh, those guys and girls. That wraps up our lower grade wrap. Let's transition into that and finish off the podcast by uh, listening to or uh, l- taking a look at our fans' corner questions. And we actually do have an audio question to kick us off first. Tim Boucher has uh, got got, a, got in first. Uh, not that there was much competition. He was the only one that sent in a voice question, but a big thanks to Tim for doing that. Uh, and uh, he, he uh, had uh, some thoughts on uh, what's been happening around, uh, around the club and had this question to ask us here on the Red V podcast. Hey, Jack and Johnny, wonderful result on the weekend. 
My question today pertains to Junior Ramon. Uh, he's obviously a bright young star of the future and he showcased that on the weekend when he came on the last 12 minutes and won the Dragons the game. There's been persistent rumours over the last four months that the Dolphins and Wayne Bennett are chasing him hard. Um, obviously, his immediate future right now at the Dragons is a bit murky uh, with Hook Griffin dropping him and Jaden Sullivan and Ben Hunt also signed long-term. Uh, clubs are able to sign him as of November this year. Uh, when a figure like Wayne Bennett in the game approaches you and you know instills confidence in you and says that he wants you to be a part of his franchise moving forward, surely that carries a lot of weight. Uh, are you guys concerned that we could possibly lose him? Thanks very much, guys. So, Tim, talking about uh, Junior Ramon there, uh, Johnny and, and Wayne Bennett and obviously the Redcliffe Dolphins, very interested in him. Uh, are we worried or, uh, I, I guess, are you worried about Junior Ramon potentially uh, leaving leaving the Dragons and, and heading up north to Redcliffe? Oh, look, I think it's it, it's got to be um, – it's got to be talked about. Uh, you've got your your star player. Um, you know, he, he is a, a big name in the NRL. A lot of clubs would be chasing him, especially the Dolphins. They're looking to – to secure down a few young players to, to be there long-term. And Junior Moan would be a, a perfect catch for someone like Wayne Bennett. If he can get a, a very good number seven up there at the Dolphins, I think Junior could be a great six at a new club. Um, I, I, I can't see Junior leaving the Illawarra. Uh, I just think that he's, he's got too many roots down here. Um, he's, he, he loves his family. He's got a huge family. I, I really don't see him leaving the Illawarra region. In saying that, look, if someone coming through him some, some solid money and he's got a very good seven playing outside him, um, for a young player and the, the possibilities that could happen, I think Junior would, you know, you'd have to think about it, that's for sure. Yeah, especially playing under someone like Wayne Bennett. That that opportunity doesn't come around very often. It might not come around for much longer as well, uh, considering uh, Bennett's age. But that is going to be one that I'm sure is making Dragons fans uh, a little bit nervous uh, um, uh, at the moment. Let's hope the Dragons can do the right thing and uh, yeah, lock down uh, Junior Moan on a long-term contract. Uh, Cooper Island uh, via Twitter has had, uh, hey boys, after six games played, what are your expectations for the rest of the season? And what is the team you want to see from 1 to 17 moving forward? I think the expectations, what it, what it's always been since since the start of the, the start of the season, and for anyone, you want to play semi-finals football. That's where you want to be at the pointy end of the season. You don't want to be one of the first teams going on Mad Monday and your end of season trip away. Mm. I personally still think that um, the benchmark there is to be in that top eight. Uh, I think it's a, it's a far cry at the moment. I know we're. we're We've won two games. We're sitting on four competition points. Um, mm. But there is a big gap between them top four sides and the bottom four that are going to be in that top eight. And I think if we can just keep chipping away and improving each week, we can potentially be there. And I think that's got to be the benchmark. The the team I'd like to see, Jack, I think it's I think it's no surprise when I tell you. I want to see Slaney at fullback. I think Matty Fainai has really um, nailed down one of those wing spots with um, Michaeli Ravalau. I think they've got the centres right in Suley and Lomax. <laughs> Um, I'd be I'd be bringing back Junior Ramon into six. I'm, I'm going to leave Ben Hunt here at seven. I know I've said a bit of noise about putting him to nine, but I think for the time being, Ben Hunt needs to be at seven. I don't mind Frankie Molo at eight. Um, I'd probably bring in Aaron Woods back into the starting side into ten. Um, my nine, um, look, I, I think I, I think Andy McCulloch is going to stay there. 
I, mm. I really do, but I, I don't think I don't think I'd be playing in there. If he is playing there, I think I think Bud Sullivan's my fourteen. Yeah. Um, your back row is probably going to have to be Tarek Jaden, and I'd, I'd be shifting JDB and probably putting in Josh Maguire at the moment. I think JDB is a better option off the bench. I think he can play as as a front row and and that lock position. Um, look, big big Georgie Burgess. I think he's potentially thereabouts at the moment, and. Look, I don't think I'd be bringing in anyone else at the moment, Jack. I think uh, oh, Blake Laurie's on your bench as well. Mm. Well, I think you've answered our, our final question, Johnny, because Philip Leishman wanted to wanted to know um, if you if you if and when you'd move um, Ben Hunt or should Ben Hunt play number nine. I, 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 I've kind of been thinking about this a lot, and, and I guess you watch our games, and and when you look at our, our attack, Ben Hunt's the only one that's really kind of making anything happen uh, through that number seven spot. I, I don't know if you want to risk that. I, I know he's had some success at number nine with Queensland. He's played there sparingly with with the dragons but i feel like it's this this constant nagging question that uh it's almost like the chokers tag that we got 10 or 15 years ago it just won't won't go away every dragons fan wants to know is his best position nine is best best position seven i think i think at the moment considering uh, we we do have guys like your, your junior ramones moses and by um maybe even a Jaden sullivan that can play that 14 utility role ben hunt i think needs to stay at number seven I, I, at the moment, I think he does, Jack. I think that um, Ben Hunt needs to stay at seven. And I've been saying for a while that he needs to go to nine, but just the, the structure of the side and the way it is at the moment, I'd be leaving Ben Hunt there at seven. But I'd be making sure that that, jun- that junior, that, yeah, that Bud <laughs> Sullivan has got number 14 on his back. And if Bud does come into the mix, he can jump into nine or he can come into seven and push Ben Hunt into seven. I know it disrupts a team, especially your attacking flair on the field when you're moving your seven around and you're switching and swapping all the time. But I think we need to start that that exposure of Bud Sullivan there and playing more in this in this NRL system because he's going to be there in a few years regardless. And whether it's nine or seven at the moment, I think that at the, at the moment, Ben Hunt's to stay in seven. Jaden Sullivan comes on and plays a bit of nine, but I think towards the end of the season, you know, if, if I was coaching this side, I'd put the switch on towards the end of the season, pending how we're going and um, give exposure to Bud Moore at seven and then throw in um, uh, Ben Hunt into nine. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one uh, moving forward to see whether that is uh, something that the Dragons may do. But for the time being, uh, I reckon that uh, number seven is the most important and uh, pivotal position for Benny Hunt, considering uh, some of the things he, he's done. I, I know I was watching the the game yesterday, the, the Parramatta West Tigers game. Johnny and, and Mitchell Moses has been uh, having try assists for fun. I think he had 11 or 12 uh, by the end of the game. But Ben Hunt was actually equal second on seven try assists. And for a side that's only won two games, I reckon that's a pretty pivotal uh, achievement that he's done with the Dragons. So I think halfback is the position uh, going forward for Benny. That wraps up our Dragons news or Dragons fans corner section there, a Red V fans, uh, Red V podcast fans corner questions. Uh, not too many fans questions today. I don't know if people would just went on social media or maybe we've all answered them in, in the last three or four weeks, the sick and tired of uh, sending their questions in. But a big thanks uh, to uh, those three guys below that uh, did just uh, get in contact with us here at the podcast. As always, uh, send your questions into us at redvpodcast at gmail.com. That's redvpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that also brings us to the end of the podcast episode 118 in the books. Let's hope the Dragons can get a win on Monday afternoon slash evening. Johnny, it's a, a, a great opportunity for them to create a bit of a launching pad and uh, how good would it be to be reviewing back-to-back wins on the Red V podcast next week, mate? 
Yeah, look, let's hope for two in a row. And uh, if it's not two in a row, let's, all, let's hope for a very big forward showing. And, uh, geez, I'd love to see the Dragons get over the Roosters there on Anzac Day. Such a good day. And what a game of football it all is. And I hope everyone wins it two up this week before they head out <laughs> to uh, the Dragons game on Monday night or Monday afternoon. As always, a big thanks to Johnny Pett doing a marvellous job supporting me here with the Red V podcast. Until next Tuesday evening, we'll have a full review of that Monday afternoon Anzac Day clash against the Roosters. This is Jack Lifton and Johnny Pett signing off from the Red V podcast. Let's go those mighty dragons. Sports Social Podcast Network.